I believe it's holding a standard. You have a minimum operating standard that you accept in your life. And it doesn't change based off of talent. It doesn't change based off of how much money you can pay me to coach you. It doesn't, it's, it's just, are, do you match that criteria or not? What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm with Justin Haley, and I am joined by one of my favorite people in the industry today, Adam freaking Atkinson, the head coach of CU Later Leaner, joins me. We just have an amazing discussion talking all things bodybuilding, peak week, PED utilization, some really interesting and outside-the-box thinking here. I think you guys are going to love the conversation. As always, leave us a five-star rating and review. Share us with your friends. Tag us if you tune in. Get your notepads ready. I'll see you inside. Adam freaking Atkinson, the, the, the owner and the leader of the weirdest name team I've ever heard of in bodybuilding. Tell us the backstory about see you later leaner to the, to the listeners who know Adam. Have you ever thought about the fact that his company name's called see you later leaner? It's interesting, yeah. right? Tell us the it backstory is. of it. I know the backstory, and I love this story. I love when you tell it, so I've got to give it to the podcast. Yeah, so when my clients would leave the gym, I'm kind of a punny, like, dad joke guy. Yeah, so you are. Very dry sense of humor. We're weight loss clients, and it ended up becoming more competition prep. And uh, they would say, see you later. And I would say, leaner. <laughs> so like, you should make a shirt about that. Yep. Um, and back in the day, there were, you know, there were coaches, but I wasn't really like a, like an Instagrammer. I don't even think I had Instagram back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I had trained Aaron Diamond, who yeah. is now Aaron Duggar. She was super successful. Uh, Brittany Brinkman and these girls started putting my name on the map. Yeah. And someone was like, you need a team name. Yeah. Because uh, I'd gotten a bunch of girls from M-Shell, Bombshell back in the day. Um. And they were they were so avid about me yeah. creating a team. Yeah. So I was like, let's just call it see you later, leaner. I didn't see think later, it leaner. would like really take off, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh so here we are. And look at you now, you like we were talking about right before we started recording. Obviously, we met in Ohio. We lived in Columbus. Yeah. Um yeah. we got antiquated because Adam was training, you know, a, a girl I was dating at the time. That's how I got to meet Adam. I I, I I was I was kind of in bodybuilding coaching at the time. Very, I had very low caliber people at the time. I wouldn't say I was working with competitors. I was working with people who like talked about wanting to maybe one day compete. But you know, you you had some good folks. You had some you you at the time. You know, you were mostly bikini. Um, I think you might still be, but dude, you've got good guys. Like you've got good muscle on your, on your roster as well. And something I respect so much. I know that I've said this to you before. I respect the coach who can train everyone. If you can go to a show and win the bikini and the bodybuilding overall, then I respect you as a coach. If you can peak a bikini competitor and a pro bodybuilder in the same day, I respect you. And you know, you're able you're able to do these things. You're able to be that multifunctional, that dynamic takes a lot of attention to detail. It takes a ton of knowledge of the sport. Um, what would you say, what, what's, what kind of drove you into becoming the coach that you are right now? You've always had so much passion. You've always been multifunctional. You're not like one size fits all. You, you know, we, we see that all the time. We're like, this is my method. You have to stick to it. You really have a lot of tools in your toolbox. What would you say drove you to get to this point where now you're coaching Olympians? Yeah. You know, failure for sure. You know, I, I messed up a couple times, you know, <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. But before things went well, you know, and, and you learn from those mistakes and you face them. So just kind of accepting the accountability that happens. I think one of the biggest things with, you know, being on broad spectrum of athletes was I, I did get really lucky where, you know, I had a female competitor and then all of a sudden her dad wanted to do it. So there, there was my first guy. And then he referred like, you know, five guys to me. And then, you know, you, 
if if you really do pay attention and you don't have the protocol, I was kind of one of the first guys in Ohio, I think, to do macros, probably. Yeah. I think that's what really kind of grew my business initially. Yeah. So I kind of got that first opportunity to snatch the experience when I would say maybe it's it's a little harder to get clients now, I think, for newer coaches, you yeah. know. So the you know, competition's I fierce, man. It's saturated with that. Yeah, and uh, I finally saw people who saw, you know, what they saw in my girls. They're like, his girls look full and healthy and peaked. So um, Jeremy Holt was like, "I see what you're doing with your girls," and he's like, "I know you can do this with a guy." So he was probably one of my first big time guys who yep. was like. I'm going to give Adam a shot. Yeah. Uh, he had a really great career with me. He's yeah. now having a kid. So he's off the scene for a bit. Is but- he really? I didn't know that. I haven't spoke to him for quite some time. He and I competed against each other at the 2017 Ohio. That's right. Yeah. You remember that? I won the heavyweight class and he won the light heavyweight class. That is right. Yeah. And then someone else won the overall. But the, um, the, uh, the super guy, heavy, right? yeah, the super heavy won the overall. Dude, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. I'm not sure what he's doing. I haven't seen him since then. I haven't either. Yeah, it's been six years. Last time I saw, he was training with Phil Viz, who's one of my good friends. Um, okay. But man, I have not seen him in a really long time. That's funny to think back on that 2017 Ohio. Um, that that was my first open bodybuilding show. Before that, I'd only done men's physique. Um, yeah. It, and it's weird to think that I just started to get to know you like yeah. right after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's when that, that, that is around the time that you and I kind of became friends. Um, you know, one thing I've always appreciated about you is you've always been so open with me and just like super, like how many times have we sat around and just talk shop like we don't, we, you know, yeah. we, 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 we have different methods. We have overlapping methods. We have something similar, some things that are just so far opposite, but you know, it works so well. And it's like, if something works, then it's right. Period. Yeah. Like there, I, 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 you can look at any protocol. You can look at any method. You can look at anything and you can say whatever you want about it. But at the end of the day, what's the product, what happened from whatever method it was like, if, if it cultivated a win, then it worked. Or if it cultivated a perfectly conditioned or peaked or whatever athlete, then it worked. And something to be, like you, you and I've always been similar. Like, hey, dude, you can have the recipe, but like I'm the chef. So like there's nothing you can do, you know, with this recipe without having the chef in it. And I've always really respected that about you. Uh, but but my favorite thing about you, Adam, is every time I see you at a show, I, I see your smile before I see anything else. Because, yeah, I see this fucking, I see this goofy cheese and smile. And I'm like, Adam motherfucking Atkinson is coming <laughs> around. and or Or I'll walk up to you at a show. You're just so chilling. You're just so fucking chilling. And you're like, yeah, you know, like my, my men's physique guy was in the middle and you know, my, my three bikini girls were all in the middle and oh, my classic guy split the center. And I'm like, damn, you're real chill for having all of that. Just go down. You're kind of the epitome of riding the midline. What, what, what do you feel internally? What do you feel internally? Like, obviously you're happy, but you, you're not one of the guys. It's like raw, raw. You stay really well composed while your athletes are having success. How do you think you've come about that? Yeah. Well, there's times I'm disappointed for sure. <laughs> yeah. um. <laughs> you, I will say you do openly wear the disappointment. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, so I, I do because the athletes sense your emotion, you yeah. know, Almost like a wild animal senses if you're going to be a predator yeah. or not, you yeah. know. So if you see the disappointment, it's hard for the athletes to wear that. Um, so if I am disappointed, it's uh, I always try to kind of do it in private or get it out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, you'll probably like this story though. The year of the tent uh nationals for oh North gosh, Americans. at North Americans, yeah. I remember yeah. that. I had a client who I thought was on the stage, and then I realized they called the girl into the middle to get the trophy. My client had won that class. She missed her class. She didn't know that they were – she won her pro card. No way. No, where was so, she? Um, she was uh, 50 and up, master's. Oh. 
Um, she ended up getting it at the next show, but um, Adam, I, I no kicked a poor water bottle. No way. <laughs> so, wait, so, so, so what? Okay. 50 plus is up for awards. Yeah. They're she reading off the names. In her class. And this is like 10 minutes later. Yeah. She was helping somebody pose Mr. Class. No. And then, you know, I'm sitting there watching in disbelief. I'm like, well, maybe I heard the wrong class. And then they called 45 enough. No, you just felt empty. You felt helpless. I, I felt em empty, helpless. I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. I kicked the water bottle. Then I turned yep. around. I see like four of my clients and <laughs> I just smiled. I said, four people have seen me get mad. Yeah. Yeah. I can say <laughs> I've never seen you get upset. I've never seen you get mad. So, and so I, I told him, don't tell her I did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really important point you made, Adam. When I was kind of younger and, and trying to establish myself as a coach, you remember what it's like. Like every showing is so important because like once you win something like one time, like, okay, you know, now you've proven you can do it once, or maybe you've proven you can do it twice, or maybe you've proven you can do it for a year. But like the more you win in the beginning of your career, there's kind of a pressure that I remember feeling personally. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you, if you put pressure on yourself for it, but once you're kind of trying to work up the ranks, it's like every showing is so important in that early part of your career. And man, I would get crazy disappointed if someone underperformed and you know, it wasn't them underperforming. It was, we just weren't good enough that day. And I would get, I would wear my disappointment. I think I would have conversations with my athletes like, Hey man, I really, I thought we should have done better and stuff like that. Well, you know, later on, I realized that's not a conducive way. That's not a good way of handling things. Did, did, did you ever feel that pressure when you started winning and compiling these impressive showings? Yeah, dude, I might, I might cry a bit during this because so yeah. much has happened yeah. in the past 12 weeks for me. Oh, like, really? It's a journey, man. Like as a coach, like, yeah, I feel that dude. It gives me chills thinking about being there in the past. You I know, know? Um, you feel exposed, you know, you're putting the placements out there. You're putting your athletes out there. They're dealing with the BS that people are saying to them, or maybe people are hyping them up too yeah. much, you know? Yeah. So you've got both ends of the spectrum there. But as a newer coach, and just even as a coach now, you feel like you have to win. You do feel like people are watching you. But um, I I kind of came from a, a road of um, doubt. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was nice. People didn't think that would work. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely a different coaching uh, style you know, being compared to Mike, me and Mike have became friends over this. Uh, really? Mike is in me. I never thought I would hear that line come out of your mouth. I hope he and I can be friends one day. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, the thing about Mike, if you work with Mike, you're probably not going to work with me. If yep. you work with me, you're probably not going to work with Mike. True. I actually think me and you might be a little similar in that yeah. regard. And the cool thing is me and you can both get along and be yeah. friends, you know, two kind of completely different in uh, styles. Yeah. Um, but I came from a lot of doubt where, you know, I, I heard people saying things, you know, small minded Ohio, right? So you'll, you'll never get a uh, overall with macros. So did that. Yep. And then it's like, you'll never get a pro. Well, finally did yep. that. And then it, it just, whatever I did, it was going to trumpet, yep. you know? So like finally Olympian, finally a qualification and then like topped it off with an Arnold invite. Yep. And man, like, so like the thing was I, I acquired Alessia like before the Olympia. So like yeah. the next thing was he ain't never get a qualifier. Yep. You and then, know, and then you qualified for a show of the season. First show of the season, yeah. you know, aside from Phoebe, who qualified prior to the Olympia, yeah. you know, so there's just always going to be somebody who says something, but dude, I just sat there and bawled when yeah. she got the qualification. Good. Um, I didn't you even know that, it. bro. You deserve that. I, you pour into your people. Yeah. I, I went to show her my footage. Um, 
of the Singapore show. Um, and uh, I turned the volume on. And I was like, holy shit, you can hear me yeah. during the quick time recording of the screen. Yeah. I was like, don't watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I sat there. I literally, for the first time in my career, I think I put my feet up for about three days. And yeah. I said, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to celebrate. I deserve to chill a little bit. And I said, holy shit, I need a new bucket list. Yeah, I, I've literally done everything that I've wanted to do in my yeah. career. And now I need to raise the bar. Yeah. Was, um, was that your first Olympia qualification? Yeah, that was my first qualification. That's a, that's a huge deal, bro. That's a really, really, that's a real, I, dude, I can resonate on this. This is something I never discussed on the podcast, but you know, you, 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 you and I have a certain connection that allows a lot of vulnerability between us. So man, when, um, Ashley Jones, we went to Tampa 2021 and, you know, we, we got third place. That was my first ever top five at a pro show. And that was like a big deal, but it just, I knew that she should, you know, be winning. And we had the Texas pro, you know, the next week in Dallas and you know it's like fuck dude that oh my god that whole week bro it was so stressful I just it was like when's the next time you're gonna get this fucking close dude like when's the next time you're gonna have this opportunity like how many coaches win pro shows I I mean how many not not a lot dude not a lot of fucking coaches win pro shows and like you know, people follow coaches. There's amazing coaches on this world. There really are. And there's a lot of amazing coaches who've been able to compile a roster of a lot of pro show winners. And, you know, you and I are going to be there soon. But getting that first fucking one is, man, I, I have anxiety creeping in. Think about it, dog. I was fucking, God, dude, I was, I was just up all night, Adam, just looking at her fucking pictures, like looking at the last picture she sent me, like, I knew this was going to change my life. I knew that everything that I knew right now was just going to fucking be different. And like she went out and I'm not sure if you saw the Instagram video is kind of went viral actually of, you know, when they announced her as the winner and I just fucking like all of my emotion that had been held in the whole week, just like bawled out, dude. I just, yeah, I, it, it's, it's a feeling that like, we can talk about it and you and I know exactly what we're saying, but it would be without, without us literally crying right now on air. I don't think people could understand like yeah. dog. We've, yeah. we, we've worked our whole lives for this, our whole lives for this moment. But did, didn't you feel kind of empty when it happened? Like, fuck, where do I go now? Yes. Also too. Like, so I did. And then the next thing I knew to do was call my mom. That's so, <laughs> so cool. you got keep in mind it's four in the morning in yeah. Vegas. The yeah. show is in Singapore. Yeah. So I did feel very alone because I'm ex I'm celebrating this uh great accomplishment in my life yeah. by myself. And and then I also realized maybe for the first time, like this this was me. Yeah. You know, maybe I finally credited myself yeah. for, for a bit. Yeah. Um, and then I went upstairs, I woke my wife up and said she won, you yeah. know, which I was pretty sure Sarah, Sarah had went to bed. I was like, I think she's got this because the yeah. other girl showed off uh, pretty unconditioned in okay. comparison. Okay. So I felt pretty secure about the win, yeah. but I just needed it to actually happen. Seemed like the longest time for that damn live stream to start dude yeah dude yeah seconds it, it turned to hours seconds literally turned to hours and it just feels like and, it, and what's crazy is it's all out of your control at that point like you there's nothing you can do anymore yeah. like you did everything you could have we were in a different country i was like you know i don't know how any of these judges judge yeah. so all that doubt started setting in but it's like there's a standard there's it's a standard, like yep. they're gonna go for the standard, yep. you know, trying to talk myself out of it. And uh yeah, it was it did like it, I felt that rush of joy, and yep. then I was like, Well, I, I told Sarah, I told you know, my mom, yep. the two people I really care most to yep. tell, you know. Yeah. 
And and I I just said, well, what do I do next? You know, what do I do now? I know, <laughs> I know. It it there's almost like a you know how competitors experience the post show blues. I, I, yeah. I, I, I felt that sort of depression creep over of like, oh, wow. Like I, you know what, I, you know what I, I didn't do that. I think you've done a much better job than me at is I didn't enjoy the journey. I didn't enjoy the journey. I didn't smell the, the, the flowers along the way. I just, um, I don't know. Up until that point, I was really coaching with a huge chip on my shoulder and I'm not real sure. I heard the same shit you heard. Why would you hire Justin? He's 26. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have experience. He doesn't this, you know, he doesn't that. He, you know, whatever the fuck you want to say. And like, and then, you know, Ashley gets qualified and it's like, man, like now everyone shut the fuck up. Like I got pro cards in almost every division. I've got Olympia qualification. Nope. People didn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> like they yeah. constantly find something else. And, and you know, it's, it's, um, I was, I was real upset. I was real, like, I was almost like depressed, you know, it was like a seasonal depression type of situation after that show. I didn't want to coach other shows. I didn't want to, you know, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to go to the Olympia. And so, so tell me a little bit about your bucket list now that, you know, you've, you've had multiple pros, multiple divisions, you know, you've obviously got Olympia qualified with a, with a pro win. Like what's yeah. next for Adam Atkinson? What's coming? So I did circle back, you know, I want an open male bodybuilder to Same. turn pro it, that I think that will be probably one of my ultimate bucket list. Um, Do you have someone yeah. right now? I have someone who's a bantam who I think is yep. going to be really close this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So definitely excited. I had a bantam last year. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to keep him bantam yep. and he wanted to grow. Yep. So he's with Matt now. Yep. Got so, it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so, I was, so uh, o o open bodybuilding pro. What else? What else is on there? You know, I, I think ultimately I, I do have to chase. I do want an Olympian. And, and with how long this took, I've definitely taken the longer track. I, I don't think people realize I've been doing some sort of coaching for 20 years now. Yeah. And my, my growth has definitely been slower than a lot. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you can speculate why someone might pick someone else over you. You know, I used to get caught up in that a lot. And, uh, I, I've honestly just found the cards kind of fall where they need to fall. But um, I've also taken a longer track because sometimes I've had to cut ties with people just because I didn't want to be associated with them based on who the F they were, yep. you know, yep. and you that's know, that's a powerful boundary to, 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 to have Adam. That's, there's not a lot of coaches that are willing to put themselves out there and be like, Hey, we're not working. You, you, you need to take your money elsewhere. We're not aligned morally. That's really hard. That's difficult to do, but I believe it's holding a standard. You have a minimum operating standard that you accept in your life, and it doesn't change based off of talent. It doesn't change based off of how much money you can pay me to coach you. It doesn't. It's it's just art. Do you match that criteria or not? Yeah. And and you hold that very firmly. Um, how how. How often you feel like you got to have those those tough conversations with people like, hey, we're not a fit. Does that happen often? Man, not often, but when you do, it's always one. It's always someone who just has amazing potential, right? You know, yeah. And that's what sucks, you know. But it's like you're throwing a water bottle across the room because your board shorts are a little tight, and that's how we're gonna act about it. And then I'm supposed to do my job, yeah. You know. Actively with all this emotion going on, I'm going to step out for a bit and come back. And if that emotion ain't gone, we ain't going to vibe for the day. I love that. I absolutely love that. I agree hundred percent. These people are representing your name and your brand. And like yeah. people know who you are and they see that shit going on. Like what if they've got a see you later leaner shirt? And now that's what people think of when they see you. Is yeah. you know what was represented in a poor sportsmanship display. Um, I want to touch on twenty years. You've been you've been in it twenty years. You made a comment that it's taken you 
a bit longer than others. I, I see your side of that. I'm not sure I agree with it because I've seen you win for a long time. What I will say, every step along the way, one thing I, I've always respected out of you, and you've always done what you thought was right. You, you truly have. I don't believe there's, since I've known you and I've known you a long time, we, we go back, we go back nine years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've known you a long time. There's never been a time, never once, Adam, has there been a time that I, w I, I didn't understand your intentions. Obviously over a nine year span, there's times we don't talk and there's times that maybe we're going separate paths. There's times that maybe we're not aligned. That's okay. But like, there's never been a time where I was like, Adam Maxson doesn't have good intentions. Like you, you know, right. you, you, you've always done what you believed to be the best. You recently, I think in the last three years or so really took a huge deep dive into understanding the functional health side of coaching. And I think, you know, I, I respect you for that. I commend you for that. You were having phenomenal success doing what you're doing, but you wanted to be able to better serve your people. What was kind of the driving factor there? We had the same mentor, Austin Stout, helped us both. Um, absolutely phenomenal guy. I, I talk about him on the podcast all the time. <laughs> I, I truly want people to go hire him. Like, I have an amazing mentorship, like, but hire that guy. <laughs> like, like truly. Um, like, yeah. he's phenomenal. Um, what was your driving factor to like, hey, you know, I there's things I'm doing wrong that I need to correct. Um, and what was that process like? to rewire all of your systems. Yeah. A, a lot of it, just even just how my career evolved, you know, I had just, I hate losing people. I want to keep my people forever. You yeah. know, and I think that's something I struggle with is still, you know, I just, I look forward to Mondays because yeah. that group of Monday, who's going to be in my inbox or yeah. Tuesday, you know, like, yeah, it's just, it's just great seeing the same people over and over. But, you know, I had a, a time period where I think six of my females got pregnant. Wow. And yeah. So I lost them all. Right. Yep. Cause I, I didn't know how to work with uh, pregnant people. Yep. Um, so I had actually uh, uh, mentored with somebody to be able to work with people through pregnancy way back in the day. Yeah. I was like, okay, I've got that. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I wanted to help people through functional issues where a lot of people were like, you're would say they're crazy or say they're not following the plan. Cause I, I think maybe one of my hardships is that I truly believe people always have the best intent. You know, what? <laughs> you have good world <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. That's okay. And sometimes they don't. Yeah. And uh, that's always been really hard for me, but uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to make sure my people were as healthy as possible. And also I think the big thing for me, can you, can a female take trend? Absolutely. But should they, I mean, maybe, yeah. you know, we're in a completely different world these days. What's the desired outcome and can they face that the rest of their life? That's actually another reason one of my, uh, you know, roads was cut short. Um, just protocol wise. I said, I, I know you want to bump up a division, but I don't know if we do this together at some point in time, you're going to look back and say, I wish he wouldn't have let me do that. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. I, yeah, I can relate to that. I, there, 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 there was, there was a very important someone in my life who, you know, I lost as an athlete because of that exact same thing. I, I know that one day they're going to, you know, there was going to, if I allowed them to go the path that they were choosing, it was going to be on me. And mm -hmm. I can't, I, I, at the time I couldn't have that. And, and looking back right now, I wouldn't have changed that. Would you have changed your approach at all? Would you have done it any other way? No, because I, I actually saw the outcome pretty early. They don't even compete anymore, you know? I'm kind of glad they don't. I think that rescued them from, you know, they're pretty, they're still currently feminine. Yep. I'm yeah. like, I'm kind of glad this didn't work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just 
So Not. it's 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 very often I have you know guests on the podcast. We chat about PED use all the times. So, you know, I, I I take pride in people being educated and informed on what's going on. There's some people that come on the podcast. They're like, this drug should never be used in women. There's other people come on the podcast and like, you know, I'm cool with it as long as you're educated. You know what's going on. That's I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Is as long as you're educated, you know what's going on. Like, all right, let's 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 open Pandora's box. If a female is focused on staying as feminine as possible, trenbolone might not be the best answer because there's guaranteed, guaranteed, there is 100% chance of virilization with any formidable dose of trenbolone, okay? Yeah. If your goal is to win WPD or WBB at the Olympia, you could honestly... I have four WPD girls that I actually believe could win overalls at a national um, at a national stage this year. So I'm saying this tongue in cheek because right now this is not a plan for any of them. I could make an argument that if you're in the running for like a national championship and you understand what comes on the other side of this and you're fully aware, you're not blind. I, I don't give a shit if it's the athlete that's militant and everything they do and they're like, just tell me and I'll do it. When you're talking something like a trimbalone, this is going to change your life. So what mm -hmm. you're doing for the next eight weeks, you know, six weeks, whatever it is, this is going to eight years. There's going to be some sort of effect. It, it, it may, you know, maybe you're one of the people that doesn't get a lot of virilization and stuff. There's still going to be some sort of plaque buildup in the brain somewhere because that's what trimbalone, like trimbalone does. It supports that. I'm not yeah. I'm not mad at a little bit of halo testing in peak week. What? And and you know who you know what Adam you know the people who are always upset about that. It's the people who don't have the Olympia qualification. They they haven't had to call shots with the fire on the line. They mm -hmm. haven't had to call fucking money shots. That's why I call them money shots. Cuz I got there's 30k on the line. <laughs> There's thirty fucking thousand dollars on the line. If you haven't had to call shots with dollars on the line, then I'm not sure I can listen to your opinion, right? What do you think? Yeah. What's your thoughts? How how, how far now, are you willing to go? The risk and reward is different, right? Absolutely. Like that thirty thousand is a year to work for some people, you yeah. know, and you can do that in one night and maybe run some halo testing in the last seven days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that. Uh, it's way better than taking diazide with a, another loop diuretic like some other coaches do that mm -hmm. it's definitely a higher, you know, that's the funny thing. People will do that and then call you a bad guy for going over the protocol. What we just yeah. went over and your protocol wouldn't put someone in their coffin. No, exactly. You know? Exactly. You can't like, die. A female, a female could inject a thousand milligrams of trend and she's not going to die. A female right. can take a very small doses of Lasix and we, we, we've seen it. We've seen it. We, this yeah. isn't, these aren't opinions. These are things that we have. There, there's, there's bodies behind what we're talking about. Yeah. Like we rescued people in tanning tents at Ohio all the time. Cause some of the stuff that was going on down there, you know, bad, bad. And, 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 and this is a conversation not everyone's willing to have, but you know, we're having it like, hey, dude, look, there, there, there's part of this bodybuilding thing that now if you're someone, you know, you're listening to the podcast, I'm getting ready for my first show, or maybe I want to compete. This does not apply to you. This is the person that like, like I just said, there's money on the line. You know, as a professional bodybuilder, your job's to compete. As someone who's at the top end of the national ranks in bodybuilding, your job is to become a professional. You've put the work in, you've gotten that far. And the reality is, I mean, I just had David Desmosquito on the podcast and we were talking about some serious drug abuse going on in South America. And you know what? I can sit here and talk on my podcast about it all I want. It doesn't change the fact that I'm going to have two girls at the Olympia and wellness this year competing against, you know, 300, 400, 500 milligrams of weekly exposure. So what the fuck am I going to do? Because there's money on the line. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck am I going to do? I, I don't know. We're not in that prep yet. I don't have, I don't have this layout this far out 
but I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to service my athletes the best I can. And man, you know, as well as anybody, you're putting a woman with 75 milligrams of weekly exposure up against someone with 400 milligrams of weekly exposure. You just brought a knife to a gunfight. So what's the, what's the denominator? What's the common denominator here? What will, what do you think is the right thing to do? So I do think it's interesting. It's, you know, I, I watch a lot of podcasts and yeah. I think it's really interesting because we never see a lot of these open men in their true form before the exposure even happens. Yeah. But if you were to take a Jeremy Holt, for instance, who was natty for a long time, I really think that that's a good recipe for success. I agree. So I always kind of like to say, I've got a ton of girls that want to do wellness and yeah. I'm just like, there's no way, yeah. like there's just no way you're bikini all day. Yeah. If, if, especially you want to stay feminine. Now, yeah. if, if that's not what you want to do, you know, I might not be the coach for you. Cause yeah. I, I just straight up tell people I don't put, put pugs and long neck competitions, I put yep. giraffes in, yep. you know, so yep. I want someone who at least has that structure. So we're not faking it till we make it. I really think that ruin their life. And if they're kind of willing to do it at all costs, but if you're already, you know, if you're already a shark in the shark tank, yep. you know, it, it's, this is where conversations come in. And, and you know what? My my top level clients aren't getting special treatment. That's the first thing I want to tell people because that's going to be the next thing people say about us. They only care about up here. Dude, I've been making biscuits from scratch for so damn long, you know, so we can forget that. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not telling my tops how to track their damn macros and how to do, you know, we're talking about suit selection, yeah. color you know, presentation, everything else, but their dang macros half yep. the time, it becomes a different type of management. And now that leaves more time for these types of conversations because yep. we're not really doing that in the amateur league because the fundamentals, they're still playing T-ball over yep. there. Yep. Like, yeah. They're learning how to get to first base. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're, they're learning how to get to first base over on that. And if anything, my high caliber clients get less attention than the, than, than, you know, the people just coming in. I mean, just last night I was finishing up some work and, you know, I'm sending three, four minute long voice memos to a few new athletes and stuff like, dude, if you're a long-term client of me and you get a four minute voice memo from me, I don't think that's good. That's not a good sign. <laughs> that means I'm having to cover a lot of things that are wrong and something that we're doing. And, and you, you know, it's like, um, that, that I've, I've gotten that a lot that like, well, Justin's taught people like, dude, there's no fucking proof of that. Cause if you actually pull the data, it's, it's taking someone who's a first time competitor is, uh, if we're talking up until the final two weeks, that first time competitor is so much more work than that, you know, pro up to, you know, the two week out mark. Like now after the two week out mark, like on my end, that pro takes exponentially more work than, you know, what, what, what the newer competitor is. Um, so I think, I think that's a really solid point. Now you, ever since I've known you, you've been, you've been the king of macros. You love macros. You, Jason Theobald, you guys fucking love macros. We do. Talk to me yeah. about that. How do you structure, how do you structure your, how do you present to athletes? These are your macros. Do you give them food sources? Do you talk about food sources? What, what, what kind of education or background do they get on that from you? How do you want your people to execute macros? So we're finding a lot of people coming in now that have that macro experience. So, but nowadays I'm kind of both. I'm yeah. whatever works for the client best. And I do have meal plan clients and I have macro clients. Yeah. So it, with the macros, it really comes down to looking at the food logs a couple of times. Let's yeah. make sure that they're not eating anything that's too good to be true. Yeah. I can kind of see where the ball could be dropped either way, like on a meal plan, they don't buy fat free cottage cheese, yep. but on um, macros, they're eating these like free noodles that yep. claim to have zero carbs and they're eating them 10 times a day, you know, something and they're like, Oh shit, I got digestive problems. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and that's the first fundamental, you know, these poor coaches now that, you know, coaches like us, Austin, Jason have raised the standard in functional health. They're trying to do functional health with people and they can't even, they catch a trend and they're like, your weight's going up. You got a digestive issue. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they're freaking eating free ramen noodles 10 times a day. Yeah. And that's probably not going to help their digestion. And they give them a SIBO protocol that we gave one of our clients expecting <laughs> them to stick to it for 20 weeks. You why, know? Do I, why, why do I feel like I know who you're talking about? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I, I actually know. wasn't thinking of anyone specific. Oh, you but weren't? I know it's definitely happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know, I, I had a girl the other day, her coach hasn't let her compete because they're trying to fix her hormones. So she was on Chasperry and, you know, only trained four times a week. She's been there for nine months. Her test was still at 10. And uh, I was like, all of your hormones are just really shot. And yeah. um, I said, are you on birth control by chance? And yeah. she said, yeah. And I said, Wow. I said, wow. you know, basically everything you've been doing for the past nine months has been a waste because like these supplements are not so powerful that they're going to outdo a medication. No. You know, this is the master, you know, this is the master notifier for yeah. pregnancy. Like if this were the case, you could overeat and get pregnant the next yeah. day because it would outdo <laughs> your control. It doesn't work that no. way. No, that's absolutely fascinating. She just wasted nine months of her time, but she came to you and now you're, 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 you're saving her. What are, um, we brought up the digestion. What, what's some things you're liking for digestion right now? Recently, Adam, I've gone down to most of my, wherever I can get people down to just four meals a day, they're only having four meals a day. And man, let me tell you, it's just for me, you know, for me personally, I'm not telling people like this is a superior method with the rest of how my synchronicities are working within protocols, that lower meal frequency is just working significantly better. Um, that the abdominals are looking better. I think there's less overall inflammation. I'm just seeing in the physique from, you know, hard training weeks and things like that. It's, I mean, if you break it down, you know, if you, four, four meal intakes a day is still massive for humans. Like, dude, like a, a hundred years ago, we were lucky to have two, like, like, right. you know, like, like this is a lot and that's a lot of digestive enzymatic capacity. That's a lot of microbiota shifts. What are some things that you're liking right now that you think is really helping your people with their digestive capabilities? It is funny because we always say things you like, and no matter how much you try to keep that open mind yeah. it, as a as a coach, you will just be pulled in a direction. You will, you know. And we've talked about this a lot yeah. because I, I think me and you were talking in Orlando yeah. about just everyone has their digestive supplement that they yeah. like to use. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, so, so for me, I think a lot of it has been source. Uh, I am seeing people who are sensitive to certain things, whether it be dairy. Uh, there's just a lot of these protein bars and stuff out there from, Bad. you know, so me being a macro coach, I'm probably dealing with a lot more of this than you are. Yeah. So a lot of it's kind of cutting the junk out. And uh, I would also say alcohol has been... A real big one. Yeah. Um, you know, if clients are consuming it and they have gut issues, it's just, it, you know, and, and it's hard. Alcohol is probably one of the hardest drugs to quit because yep. it's a, uh, it's a social thing. Yep. You know, it, it's a good luck pre-nationals for me, you and Cameron. Yep. Uh, yep. It sure <laughs> is. Hey, we're going to keep doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So we'll keep doing that. If anyone doesn't know, we do a shot of, uh, you know, whiskey or scotch before yep. nationals for good luck. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and it's, it's brought us good luck. <laughs> it has. It's brought us good luck. Yep. So, you know, just things like that have been very helpful. I, I will lean on the soothers a lot. The zinc carnosine, the aloe, those have been in, in really high doses of glutamine and uh, really high doses. Yeah. Yeah. How high will you go? I'll go 30, 40 grams in, in folks. Yeah. I typically go 30. Yeah. Um, it's, 
that's usually about as high as I go. Yeah. There's, there's um, I wish I knew the science of it. There's a new form of glutamine now, though, that does bypass the GI. Um, the way synthesized. So we do have to be specific and like micronize just L-glutamine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe it's uh, Global has that new glutamine out. The owner okay. was telling me about are you, it. Are you familiar with the price point on that? I am not, no. but I was really impressed with his intelligence on the product because yeah. I told him to use glutamine for GI issues. And he said, well, you won't want to use mine. And I was like, that's really cool. You told me that. Yeah, you know? that's very interesting. It's You say it's micronized? Like micronized? It, it's something different. Like I'll yeah. uh, send you the link. I would love to know. Podcast yeah, yeah. I literally just got a sample the other day. Yeah, I would love to know. Do you... um? Do you ever use much like berberine and metformin together in conjunction? I really don't, but okay. in some cases where people feel like the food is just maybe sitting, right? Yeah. I think that can be a great first, you know. Yeah. Obviously, there could be an enzyme issue. So we're kind of looking at a couple yeah. different things here. Um, it could even be a low gut bacteria yeah. issue. So I might hit everything from all angles if yeah. you catch that right away. Um, a lot I, of times when we see that, it's like post-antibiotic mm -hmm. with people, right? So but yeah. if they're already on the metformin and berberine, we know we can add in like a probiotic and hopefully yeah. fix that, you know? New Ethics has that digestive supplement that is geared towards restoring gut flora after an antibiotic run. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it right now. Is it their MetaPure supplement? That, it is MetaPure. Is it MetaPure? Yeah, I find awesome success with that. Have you as well? Yeah, and you can also use a Saccharomyces boulardii during the antibiotic run too because to yeah. my understanding, it's resistant to the antibiotics, which is helpful. That's my understanding as well. But truthfully with you, Adam, I've never actually, I've never actually executed that, um, in a okay. protocol. So I, I, I have not tried that yet. Um, yeah, so, so you run it when they get antibiotics in, you run it alongside that you, you bring it in right away in most cases. Bring it in right away, yeah. and then I usually try to keep it in just a little bit after. You yeah. know, it seems like a Z pack seems to be the big one everyone's getting right. That so flushes your microbiome, dude. Flushes. It does. Them. Yeah, that's that's rough on your digestive system, and and and, and, and people don't realize that. One of my only clients who got SIBO this year—that was how she got it—and it's because. Um, she had an ear infection, so multiple, multiple antibiotic runs. Wow. It, it's so crazy. You never get to test these measures until you're like ready to do the GI map. Yep. If you're like me, you're kind of trying to save that money for them. And you're yeah, like, dude. let me fine tune this as much as I can. So this client's, you know, going into multiple peak weeks, she ended up getting her pro card at nationals. Okay. But I just couldn't understand why she felt so bloated on such low carbs. I couldn't see the bloating. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I was like, I just feel like I could give you more, but I'm going to listen to your feedback yep. because you're living in that body and you know how you feel. Uh, I think we could go up, but let's stay here. And I'm yeah. glad I listened because as soon as we did that GI map, I'm like, no wonder you had SIV, no yeah. overgrowth, because food was low from prep. But every yeah. time we started bringing it up, it's going to overfeed that bacteria. So uh, she was so in tune with her body. She like naturally knew I can't eat, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. So let me ask you in that situation, did you change what's hard about the peak week situation is you get to peak week and you have food sources that you know are, are good in that athlete. Um, yeah. Did you find yourself wanting to, or did you execute any sort of food swaps that might've led to lower stomach volume to help get around that bloating? Or I think what you did and, and, well, it's hard to say unless, you know, again, you're calling the money shots, but what I likely would have done as well is we're just going to keep the same food items in and we're just, 
like you just wrote out those food items that you already had in play and just let the physique play itself out, you know, as it digested those. So it was cool because how this worked was like literally a whole national season. So yeah. in the beginning, the food sources definitely got swapped. Yeah. Uh, but towards the end was really when we thought what she perceived as the bloating more. Yeah. So my loading strategy was to really kind of cap it by Thursday and then keeping the volumes going lower. So almost a little bit of a spill, if you would, yeah. but I couldn't get her to eat enough to yeah. even be to that point. And then just really using sodium and water yeah. as our driver. She actually went on stage fasted uh, with, I think, a protein-only meal yep. for prejudging yep. for national. So, so that that brings up a couple points I really like doing. Number one, I love the spill method on Thursday night. Because then on Friday, you can keep stomach volume very low. There's no stress. There's no fucking stress. We don't have to fill anything. We don't have to do nothing. You're just watching a baseline meal plan do its fucking job. And the body return back to normal and maintain some sort of fullness. And, you know, you're you're manipulating water. And that water is coming off. And the fullness is staying there. And it's, 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 it's fascinating to watch. I find that it takes stress off the athlete as well. Um, so I, I, I like that method a lot, but you know, if you really nail that load nicely, I, I, I would say my ideal situation for an athlete getting on stage is with no meals on that day. Now that's not always practical. It's, it's just, it's not, no matter how good the peak went, it's not always practical, but I'll have athletes come to me. They're like, my coach didn't feed me on show day. And I'm like, well, if the beak was good, then that might have been really ideal. I I like that a lot because let's think about the reality of a show day. We're waking up early. No matter who you are, you're waking up early. And right away, you're thinking, oh, fuck. Like, it's go time. It's it, The lights are on. It's You're, you're not in a parasympathetic state on show day. So right. your digestion is going to be somewhat slower because you're going to be, you know, very fight or flight response type of mode. And, you know, respecting that rather than pounding down 800 grams of jasmine rice and, you know, honey and, you know, whatever, respecting that is, in my opinion, going to be a little bit more beneficial to the athlete. Um, another issue you run into is, well, we're an hour out from shit from show. I got to fucking poop and I can't poop. And now, now we are stressed. What? Yeah. What's your ideal? What's your ideal last couple of days situation? Would you say it's similar? Yeah. You know, what's funny. I agree with that ideology. And I like that because we're really thinking outside the box here, Yeah. but you're not going to assimilate that show day food into the muscle tissue. Anyhow. And me and Dr. Joe talked about this kind of plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do keep food volumes extremely low on show day. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, when we think about like kind of you're like, I like your dynamics with my guys. I I would treat them the same way, but I almost feel like I can't because there's just this industry wave of like the freaking pancakes in the morning and stuff. And I just yeah. tell them to ignore that noise. But, you know, guys really yeah. get caught up in that big meal, big end result. Um, so I like comparing it to another sport, like a half court shot in basketball, yeah. you can do it and you might make it, but I'd rather shoot from the paint. I and agree. that's what I kind of tell my athletes and that kind of helps them visualize that way better. Yeah. There's no athlete that is able to flex their abdomen or keep their abdomen tight in poses as well. Fed versus fasted either. So if our stomach's completely empty, I mean, dude, abs are a monster part of this thing. Like they're going to look better. And it was a huge detriment to like the male competitors at uh, um, North Americans this year. There, there was a lot of distension and, and it was beyond growth because it was, you know, in the lower abdomen. Let's see, man. I'm not sure if I can recall um, who won North Americans this year. Uh, Austin's client Felix did. Yep. Okay. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right there. Oh, there, yeah. there was a lot going on. Wasn't there? there I was remember that. I think Austin even Austin and I even spoke about it yeah. afterward. Yeah. You know, 
So it's interesting you bring that up because, yeah, there is kind of this standard of like massive fucking meals first thing in the morning and stuff. You know, I've done that and whatnot. Time and a place. If we took a half a diazide the night before and we flushed a little too much, well, now there's this issue of you started the diuresis floodgates. Um, cause you know, for you to take something like a half of a diazide, that means the diuresis had to have slown tremendously from whatever you were doing before that. And you flush more than you anticipated. You get a flatter look in the morning. Yeah. I mean, at that time, you know, you got to take a three pointer, like you, 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 you've got to figure out. Um, but to be honest with you, man, I, I, I don't really love pancakes in that moment. I, I really enjoy a high fat. I love a steak and egg meal. Um, I, 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 I find that it goes, I mean, it's fucking steak and eggs, dude. Like, it's not like we're dealing with these xanthane gums and, you know, things like that, that, that get put into pancakes to make them, you know, taste the type of way. I really, I like Dunkin' Donuts muffins. Um, you know, they're very consistent. They're easy to get. Their ingredients are very transparent. They're quite tasty. Um, but you know, it's like if, if, if you wake up in the morning and like I say, you got to take a three printer or to, you know, your analogy, you got to take a, a half court shot. We need to at least get this thing in a wide open three pointer or a wide open half court shot to like make, you know, give us the, the best opportunity uh, to hit. But I mean, sometimes that happens now. The industry standard, like you're talking about, yeah, dude, it's weird. I don't know where this came from that people just wake up and eat all this food on show day. And, you know, it's, it's at, at, at the national level in bodybuilding, you know, it's competitive, man. It's really fucking competitive. I would rather my guy get up there a little bit flat and, you know, still peeled and able to hold contractions and show his conditioning, man, rather than having food in his gut, because that's going to make posing really difficult. Like I would, I would almost, if you wake up real flat that day, I would almost be like, well, Hey, you know what? We're peeled. We're peeled. We're going to get a nasty pump in. We're going to spray some of that hot shot that protein has, you know, that like that brings the, um, the, the blood to the surface of your skin makes you super vascular and full. We're going to spray some of that and we're just going to bring our best, um, you know, rather yeah. than shoot that half court shot. What, where do you stand on that? Would you rather just come in? Like, we're going to be a little flat today. That's okay. Or are you shooting that shot? No, I'm go especially men's bodybuilding right now. I mean, yep. this Olympia should have been a huge wake up call for everybody. I mean, you've got somebody who outweighed, you know, Rami outweighed somebody by a hundred pounds at the Arnold. Yeah. And the dude almost beat him. Yeah. I like, know. Wake the F up and and they're still doing podcasts about missing his peak. Like you missed your entire prep, dude. Like stop <laughs> with this BS. You know, I, I'm sorry. I get sick of seeing this. And I know. like there also there's so many cooks in the kitchen and everyone's like, he did this. It's like diet the dude the F down and let him run this shit for I, five more years. I agree. This is unacceptable. You've got a guy that's humanly bigger than anyone ever possible. Yeah. It's not age. It's not lower back issues. It's lack of freaking discipline and conditioning. Yeah. And whether it's the coach's fault or his fault, I don't know, but they got to get their shit together. You know, it's been interesting to watch the fall. It's been interesting. Yeah. You know, you and I both watched the, the ascent and now it's like, we're watching the descent. And I agree with you. How many fucking cooks are in this kitchen, dude? It's, it's, it's been an issue for years. It's been an issue for a long time. And like, you know, he got with Chad and, you know, the first shot was okay. Obviously the sh second shot was absolute nails and they won the Olympia title. And, you know, then they, they followed it up the following year. Um, he won the Olympia title because he, he was objectively the best bodybuilder that day. I think yeah. what's difficult is, and then, you know, after the Olympia this year, you start seeing Dennis James and Chad. Well, I'm not sure Chad Nichols ever said anything, but Dennis James is like kind of trying to throw this blame at Chad Nichols and stuff and remove himself from the equation. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm not sure you're hundred percent at fault. Cause you continue to put, 
you know, your utensils in the fucking stew and he's living with you for months or, uh, you know, weeks, whatever, leading up into the Olympia. Apparently Chad wanted him in a week early. Apparently they didn't get out there until three days early, blah, blah. Like, dude, there's too much going on and everyone's, yeah, I agree. Everyone's speculating. Everyone's speculating. I, I was just talking with Thomas today when we were training. I have no fucking idea what's going on with Rami. I have no clue, but something's yeah. happening. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And whatever it is, it's not working, you know, no. and it worked the last two times, but it's not working now. So they got to figure that out. And, and the other thing I see trending is now everyone's like, well, shape's so important. Yeah. Well, yeah, now it is because the next best guys have shape. It's not that the criteria changed, but the big guys are out of the running because they're not getting conditioned enough, you know? Yep. Yep. I, I, I agree completely with that. You, you hear like shape, shape, shape. What the fuck's that mean? Like, like these guys, it, you know, what's funny It's almost like it's this buzzword. I feel like it's this buzzword. Like, you know, of course, whoever is top five at the Mr. Olympia has shape. Of course it's good. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's always the fucking armchair experts that are like, well, like big Rami shape, big Rami shape is insane. The guy, the guy's waist isn't small and his shoulders are still 15 inches bigger than his fucking waist. His, I mean, his quads are, yeah, his quads, there's issues, period. Well, I'm not going to act like there's not, but like his shape's bonkers. Phil, his shape was bonkers. Like go show me someone in the top five Olympia who doesn't have this like incredible fucking shape. It just happens yeah. to be that right now, Derek and Hottie, Derek and Hottie are going to battle for a long, long time. And I think Samson is going to be in that mix. Obviously, Nick will be as well. I think Andrew Jack is going to be in that mix as well. Dude, I think we're set up to watch one of the greatest bodybuilding rivalry runs of those five that I think we've ever seen. I mean, what do you think? Exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah. Bodybuilding's back to what I wanted it to be again, like just now. And and I love the hearts of all these competitors. Same. You know, Nick lives in my backyard. Yeah. Just awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, Nick is A+. plus. At this point, it's just who can improve the fastest. And and I'm kind of like, I think Andrew Jacked is the one that's the least untapped right now. I agree. So that's going to be kind of cool to see. Um, but man, Longsford and Hottie definitely they're some of my favorite physiques I've ever seen. I, ever of all time. I would have been fine without Olympia going either way. Honestly, I I, I really would have. I think Andrew Jack has the least amount of mileage on him. Um, and the reason being because like how many times um I always use the candlestick analogy, bodybuilding's like a candle. How many times like Andrew Jack's competed four times in his career, five times in his career now. Like, he hasn't been, like, pushing these crazy, for example, halo testing protocols. He hasn't been pushing these crazy diuretic protocols. He hasn't, you know, he his, his mileage is much lower for the fact that, like, dude, he was an Instagram influencer a year and a half ago. Like, the Arnold last year was his first ever show, I think, right? Yeah, and yeah it was. He was, he was an amateur. He won. Uh, he came to Texas at his debut. He won. He went to yeah. Arnold UK. He won. He went to the Olympia. He got nine, whatever. Yeah. Not the best showing for him, but still good. Yeah. Good. Uh, third at the Arnold, which was his best showing by miles. Um, yeah, I mean, he narrowly lost to Nick and Samson and there's nothing to hang your hat on there. I mean, this guy, he, he, you know, he has, he's used less diuretics, which that's a big deal. His kidneys have gone through less. Um, his liver's probably metabolized less. I mean, you can, they, people are like, well, he's 40 years old. Well, I don't, I didn't mean, I don't, I, that doesn't mean much. What well, means, you know, where's the mileage at? And to be honest with you, Adam, yeah, like there's definitely steroid abuse going on to get that big before you were competitively bodybuilding, but his steroid use has not been what the other guys has been for years and years and years. There's no fucking way in hell he there, there there's just there's there's no way that it was that much. I mean, do, do you agree or do, do do you think he was taking prep like cycles before he was competing? 
it's interesting because you always wonder, you know, how truthful are people with the with cycles and stuff? And then then I always just question the legitimacy. You know, obviously they're getting good stuff. Yeah. But how good is it? Are the milligrams per milliliter like what they say they are? Or are they just extremely overdosed and the person doesn't know it? Now that's probably less likely to happen, yeah. but, but it's it's such an unregulated thing. Yeah. Uh it's it's very unregulated. So it's yeah. even hard to know if the data is there, like what's behind it, unless we're in labs and testing it. No, you know? yeah, you're right. We're all just guessing. We're all just hoping that it works out. <laughs> it, it's almost Instagrams that way. I'm seeing yeah. these guys do like shots off of stadium balconies and you can green screen stuff now. So like, unless I see them throw that ball like I, I don't know if they made that shot or not, you know, dude. I uh, there was there was that video recently of DK Metcalf. He's an NFL wide receiver, and there was this football. Did you see that? It was. I think like, I did see that. It, and he just jumped out the fucking build. It kind of looks legit, and he's an insane athlete, like one of the best athletes. But like to your point, there's fucking green skin. Like, did he actually do that? Like, yeah, I don't know. He might have, (laughs) he might have, and I wouldn't be surprised. It would be phenomenal if he did, but yeah, it's, 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 it's funny, dude. The state of social media really can make you feel shitty about your own athletic capabilities. That's for certain. (laughs) Absolutely can. Yeah. Adam, dude, I, I, I love chatting with you, man. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to see you super soon at some shows. It's, uh, it's going to be good to catch up. I, I appreciate you coming on the freaking podcast. I loved being able to chat with you and, and share my audience with you. Um, where can people find you at after this episode? Yeah, you can go to my website, see you later of course, or you can just go to Instagram, see you later leaner. Adam, you're fucking awesome, dude. One of my favorite things is when I go to a show and, and I just get to catch up with you and, and and bro out with you. So let's make sure let's let's make it a point we grab a coffee at a show here this year. And, uh, you know, we're going to be up super fucking early. We'll meet in a hotel lobby and grab a coffee and just bro out. Does that sound good? Let's do it, man. I'm down. I love it, dude. I love to see your success. Two two boys from Ohio just living their dream, man. I'm proud of you, Adam. I really am. I'm proud of you too, man. Thanks, dude. We'll talk super soon. I love you, man. Bye-bye. Love you, man. Bye.